Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Okay, welcome everyone to Manna for Breakfast, take two. We're going to jump right back into 2 Samuel. And as I mentioned, those of you guys who couldn't hear, my grandson should be showing up any minute, so I want you to meet him. And because I just barely got enough time to get set up this morning, we're going to jump right into the reading and look in 2 Samuel 23. So find your place and we will get started. As you can see behind me, we're in Fredericksburg, if you're just joining us now. And we are uh, waking up our first morning here and just getting things set up. The last song of David, 2 Samuel 23. Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares, the man who was raised on high declares, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God, is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, when the tender grass springs out of the earth. Through sunshine after rain, truly is not my house so with God? For he has made an everlasting covenant with me, ordered in all things and secured. For all my salvation and all my desire, will he not indeed make it grow? But the worthless, every one of them, will be thrust away like thorns, because they cannot be taken in hand. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they will be completely burned with fire in their place. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph Bashebeth, a Tekchelamite, chief of the captains. He was called Adino, the Esnite, because of 800 slain by him at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defeated the Philistines who were gathered there to battle, and the men of Israel had withdrawn. He arose and struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword and the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to strip the slain. Now after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. And he took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Then three of the thirty chief men went down and came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Adullam, while the troop of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well 
of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of the thirty, and he swung his spear against three hundred and killed them, and had a name as well as the three. And he was most honored of the thirty, therefore he became their commander. However, he did not attain to the three. But Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, the son of a valiant man of Zebziel, who had done mighty deeds, killed the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in the middle of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, an impressive man. Now the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a club and snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benani, the son of Jehodiah, did and had a name as well as the three mighty men. He was honored among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three. And David anointed him over his guard. Ashael, the brother of Joab, was among the thirty. Elianan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite. Alika, the Horadite. And Helez, the Peltite. Ira, the son of Ikish, the Tekoite. And Abisur, the Anathothite and Mabuni, the Heshetite, and Zalom, the Hoite, and Merari, the Nethophatite, Heleb, the son of Bana, the Nethophatite, Ittai, the son of Ribai, and Gibeah, the sons of Benjamin, Beniah, the Perathonite, and Hedai of the brooks of Gash, Abi, Albon, and Arbathite, and Asmavith, the Baramite, and Elibah, the Shalbonite, the son of Jashin, Jonathan, Shammah, the Herorite, and Ahiam, the son of Shara, the Ararite, Elphelet, the son of, of Hashabai, the son of Makathite, and Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gileanite. Hang in there with me. I'm, I'm going to get through these names. And Hezra the Carmelite, Egal, the son of Nathan, of Zobah, Bani, the Gadite, and Zelek, the Ammonite, and Harariah, the Barathite, Amor, bearers of Joab, the son of Zeruah, Ira, the Ithrite, and Gerab the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. And God bless them. <laughs> if, if David doesn't ever have to go back and mention them again, I'll be very happy. Those are tough names. All right, chapter 24, the census taken. Now again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. The king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, go about now through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and register the people that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, now 
May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my Lord the King still see. But why does my Lord the King delight in this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to register the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan, camped in Aror, on the right side of the city, that is in the middle of the valley of Gad and towards Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tatim, Hochai, and they came to Dan John and around Sidon. And they came to the fortress of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and of the Canaanites. And they went out to the south of Judah to Beersheba. So when they had gone about through the whole land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. And Joab gave the number of the registration of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword. And the men of Judah were 500,000 men. Now David's heart troubled him after he heard the numbered people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done, but now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David. Thus the Lord says, I am offering you three things. Choose for yourself one of them, which I will do to you. So Gad came to David and told him and said to him, shall seven years of famine come to you in the land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days of pestilence in the land? Now consider and see what I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let us fall into the hand of man. Verse 15. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from morning until the appointed time, and 70,000 men of the people of Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people, It is enough. Now relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people and said, Behold, it is I who have sinned and it is I who have done wrong. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. Verse 18. So Gad came to David that day and said to him, Go up. Erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. David went up according to the word of Gad, just as the Lord had commanded. Aruna looked down and saw the king and his servants crossing over towards him. And Aruna went out and bowed his face to the ground before the king. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be held back. From the people. And Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen and the wood. Everything, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the lord your God accept you. However, the king said, 
Arauna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer a burnt offering to the Lord my God, which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and a peace offering. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land and the plague was held back from Israel. So you've got David's mighty men and David's mighty sin. I guess is a good way you could title this one. The mighty men of David are astounding and unbelievable at first glance. One guy could kill 800 men by himself, another 300 men, another could go down and take on a lion. It's really quite amazing, but if you take these things literally, which they are, and, and understand the days they lived in, and the, the should I say, the, the skill and also the faith of these men, you can see that God had blessed their warriors to be a defense to the entire nation. He was using these men to stand against the enemies, and which were, again, dedicated and worshiping demonic entities and their, their demonic gods. And so I guess it's never stated why David wanted to. He wants to honor these men. And it, we're never given details per se. I mean, one guy stands in a lentil field and defends it with his sword, but it would seem that God was supernaturally uh, empowering them. And there are theologians that say sometimes it's common in Eastern cultures when you give a number that so-and-so killed 800. Two things, sometimes it's representative of a large number, not always exact. They round things up in different things. But also, sometimes it's not all at once that he's talking about his career, that in his career he, he killed so many Egyptians or he killed so many Philistines. Uh, rather, but, but when it says in one battle, at one time, in the middle of a, of a lentil field or something, then that's probably exactly what happened. And it's, I was thinking about that as I read that, and you realize that they did not have X-Men superpower. They had swords. But God was supernaturally endowing them with an amazing amount of strength, Samson-type strength, to stand up to these men. And it would seem that their greatness would be as much connected with their faith in God as it was anything else in their talents. So that's David's mighty men. But as far as David and his sin goes, obviously the the um, the law, the Moses was given the command of God not to number the people because that was presumption. That was, in other words, that was looking at, uh, at one's natural human strength rather than relying on God's strength. God said, I will be your defense. I will be your strong tower. I'll be your, a wall around you to protect you. And therefore, there was no need for them to number the people. David numbers the people to find out how strong his army is. And when they come back with the numbers, he realizes, shouldn't have done that. Now, why did it take that long for him to realize that he shouldn't have done that? He just got nervous. He sinned. And it cost the country uh, thousands of people. David just didn't kill one Hittite. He was responsible for thousands of deaths by his sin. And so, again, it's God's mercy on David and his grace is, is quite astounding. But David always repented. He realized what he did wrong and he repented. Now, the whole thing about which one to choose is always an interesting thing to look at. David comes to the realization that, that even God in his wrath is 
better and more merciful than man in his wrath that he falls on the mercy of God, which is always the right, always the right answer. Always fall upon the mercy of God. And anyway, so we see, unfortunately, God's, God's justice is coming upon Israel. Israel as a whole, the people suffer greatly as well, because remember, they're the ones that ask for the king. And God had always told the people, you don't need a king. You just need to rely on me. But because they did, God is again chastising all of Israel to get them to look up and say, no, we serve the Lord, Yahweh our king. And they should have been able to look back and see all the things that God had done through those mighty men to know that, oh yeah, we don't need a big army. We could have one guy take on 800 men. <laughs> so that's David. We're in John chapter 6, verse 41. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in a synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then, if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? 
Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So this whole thing about Jesus being the bread of life, the, the twelve realized through this teaching that he was the manna. That's why we call this program manna for breakfast, because we realize that as we read it every morning, we are eating the manna that came down out of heaven. We are eating, we are consuming, is a better way to put it, his words. And his words are the bread, what the sustainer of life. It's what brings us into the nourishment in our spirits. And Jesus was sharing that with all of the people at that time in a synagogue of Jews, and they're having a really hard time with it. And this is why in the early church, when Jesus ascended, they were, the Christians were accused of cannibalism. They believed that in their worship service, they were drinking real blood and eating flesh because Jesus said that they were to do, eat his flesh and drink his blood. And so they had a wrong concept of what that was. Jesus said all of this as symbolic. And this is why we use communion, uh, believer's communion, and, and uh, as something representative and not literal, we believe strongly that the bread and the wine do not literally turn into the literal body and blood of Jesus. That would be cannibalism, as some Protestant churches and all Catholic churches believe through transubstantiation. Uh, anyway, I was brought up in a, in a church that kind of believed that, but we believe that the the correct interpretation is is that we are nourished by his words. And Jesus was trying to get them to understand that he had come from heaven. This is why when you read these words right here, it's really, really difficult to fall uh, in line with these various cults and even oneness Pentecostals and think that Jesus was not divine, to think that he was somehow distinct from God and just more like a prophet. No one had seen God except Jesus. He was with the Father, and he, he said that I have come from God. They were having a hard time with it. You can understand that because they knew him. he was born there in Nazareth, and he was raised as a, as a kid. They'd seen it, but they could not understand that as God, he divested himself of his glory, came down to be born of a virgin, to be raised up among men so that he could understand, so he'd be tempted in all ways that man was tempted, experience every part of human life. And then because he was human, the 100% human as he was 100% deity, he was able to offer himself up for the sin of man as representative of a human that lived under the law perfectly. So then he could be a substitutionary sacrifice for the sin of all man. So it, it took them a while to make sense of all this. It was until not until after the resurrection that the apostles could even understand it. This is why Jesus looked at them and said, are you too going to leave? Because they're trying to deal with this. What do you mean? Eat of your flesh, drink of your blood. And he was referring to communion, but they could not understand that yet. And they were trying to make sense of it. And he was also make, referring to his words as himself as being the bread of life. 
not the literal manna, but in a sense, it was literal manna because he literally manifested, but it was to be taken in a different sense, in a symbolic sense and not literal. So there you go with that. And Charles Spurgeon for May 20th. I think that's, are we the 20th today? I think so. Let's read this together. We dare not doubt, it's the title, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Isaiah 45, 2. This was Cyrus, but it is evermore the heritage of all the Lord's own spiritual servants. Let us go forward by faith, and our way will be cleared for us. Crooks and turns of human craft and satanic subtlety shall be straightened for us. We shall not need to track their devious windings. The gates of brass shall be broken, and the iron bars which are fastened shall be cut asunder. We shall not need the battering ram nor the crowbar. The Lord himself will do the impossible for us, and the unexpected shall be a fact. Let us not sit down in coward fear. Let us press onward in the path of duty, for the Lord hath said it. I will go before thee. Ours, not to reason, why? Ours, but to dare and dash forward. Is it the Lord's work? And he will enable us to do it. All impediments must yield before him. Hath he not said, I will break in pieces the gates of brass? What can hinder his purpose or balk his decrees? Those who serve God have infinite resources. The way is clear to faith through bard to human strength. When Jehovah says, I will, as he does twice in this promise, we dare not doubt. Amen. He will. And he shall. We should be able to trust him. Lord, help us to trust you in those areas where you know you, we need to trust you to break down the bars of brass, which seem to, the world seems to put up in front of us. Well, let's do um, that in prayer. Be praying for uh, one another and the things that are going on uh, in this crazy world right now. We have a lot of things that are, that are going on. And thank you guys for praying for us on the trip. I feel so much better. I think I give you guys, give the Lord glory because I think the cold's gone. I couldn't believe it. The day we left, I felt 100% better. I haven't had to take any medicine, not even having sinus issues right now. So thank you and thank the Lord that it seems to have been healing up us all. So uh, let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for blessing us with this time together. And thank you for time Renee and I can come spend with our son, uh, our daughter-in-law, our grandson, have a little time of rest, go to a conference. Thank you for blessing us with this beautiful place in the country. Thank you for the family providing it. And God, we ask you to just continue to work there in Puerto Vallarta. Thank you for Britt being there and Judy and everybody working very hard to keep the uh, ministry going and the church going. Thank you for blessing those who are going to be driving and picking up kids and going to the mission and continuing on with everything, especially just bless the service tomorrow. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful, blessed time and everybody have fun and enjoy themselves and be refreshed in your word. 
as they receive the bread of life. So thank you for that. And we do ask that you would uh, help us and guide us here. Bless the service here in Fredericksburg tomorrow. Michael will be in worship. He's got a kind of an ongoing problem with his throat right now. So I pray, pray God you would be able to help him sing well and be uh, guided by your spirit and the whole service as well with Mark, that you would guide him in his teaching. And that be completely of you, God, nothing of himself. And that people might be encouraged, people might come into your kingdom, people be healed, and greatly just uh, um, encouraged in their growth. And um, draw, just fall deeper in love with you and drawn closer to you. And then give us safe travels to the conference on Monday, Father. And bless all the speakers, the fellowship, everything that will be going on there, God. We need your anointing, your fresh anointing. We need your spirit to continually overwhelm us and guide us, God, to keep us, God, as servants and help us, God, to not stray any other to the left or the right, but completely stay in the path that your Holy Spirit is guiding us, all of us in our churches, as we are coming under more and more attack these days. So strengthen your church, God. Strengthen your servants. And thank you for everything going on up at that conference and the preparation. May you do help all those servants bless those servants who offer up their time willingly, free to bless us. Thank you for that. And Father, special blessing for Pastor Bill there in New Mexico, up in Mora, who's um, having to seemingly step aside from his ministry right now because he's been speaking the truth and been boldly proclaiming your word, and some people up there don't like it. And so, Father, we just ask that you would uh, bless him. Thank you for his faithfulness and his obedience, just preaching the whole word correctly, and just give him and guide him to know what ex- what path to take next. And I pray that for the people up there that they would repent of, of trying to soften the word. And if he's speaking it boldly and in truth, God, I pray you would break those bars of iron and allow him to find an even better ministry and people that are willing to accept the truth and let him do it in love and gentleness so that people might be able to respond. Because the enemy is going to try and shut down any time a pastor speaks the truth. And I just pray, God, that you would that you would come against that and do something special in their life. So thank you for all those that need healing right now, all those that need a special touch uh, from you. And uh, God, we just lift up Again, the caster lines with their need for healing in their daughters, uh, in their daughters' bodies. Anyone dealing, God, anyone dealing with Lyme's disease or Bartonella that just needs your touch, God, heal them right now. So, God, lift lift up my wife, who's feeling much better, but still has a lot of a lot of pain in her neck and also her back. I pray that you'd help this this time that we have together be a time of relaxation. Her body can heal. So, um, thank you, God. We bless you and we, we give you the rest of this day in Jesus' name. All right. That'll do it. If I can set this up. Uh, you know what? I can, if I can record for the audio podcast today, okay? And Monday, same deal. If I can record an audio podcast, I will. Monday and Tuesday, I can do the audio podcast if I can get that done. But Monday and Tuesday are conference days, traveling days, even Wednesday. So it's going to be Mm, yeah, next four days will not be live, but I will get on the audio podcast for Manna for Breakfast however much I can, and we'll try and send on the reading to you. So God bless you guys. See you live, I guess, uh, again on Thursday. Okay? Bye-bye.